Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of the Scriptures Revealed podcast, and we have been on a journey of looking into the many revelations, foreshadowing, typologies of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament, and we're moving right along. We are getting ready to do five and six today, Uh, so I hope you stay in there with me and get ready to enjoy another revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so this first revelation picks up in Genesis chapter 3, and we're going to look at, again, uh, one simple verse. Uh, uh, We've been journeying through this Genesis story, looking at the creation, looking at God calling Adam and Eve, looking at the rebellion and the disobedience that happened. And we kind of walked through some of that up until, uh, you know, Jesus walking into the garden in the cool of the day last week. And now we're stepping into the next revelation of Jesus, which I am calling Jesus our gracious covering. He is our gracious covering. He's our covering of grace. And I'm going to show this to you in the scriptures here. So let's look here in Genesis chapter 3, verse 21. It says, And the Lord God made for Adam and his wife garments of skins and clothed them. Listen, after mankind's disobedience, God decided that he was going to be a gracious covering. The Bible says that God made garments for them. These are key things I want us to look at in this verse is that the Lord God made. So who did the making was the Lord. The Lord did the making. These are important factors to remember as we begin to delve into the revelation of the fact that this is foreshadowing the fact that Jesus Christ is our grace covering or our gracious covering or our covering of grace. So principle number one we need to look at is that the Lord God made for Adam and his wife. The Lord God made for Adam and his wife. So God made it for the mankind. All the mankind had to do was receive. God made it. That's number one. Now, what does that show us is that when we deal with the covering of grace and what grace provides to us, because Jesus is the grace of God. Uh, I love this because if you ever wanted to know what grace's name is, grace's name is Jesus. <laughs> you cannot have grace and not have Jesus because grace's name is Jesus. So what the first thing that we gain insight into regarding Jesus as our gracious covering is the fact that the Lord God does it. The Lord God made it. It is God's initiative. I love it. Paul puts it this way in the book of First Corinthians. He said, it is God who puts us in Christ. It is God that does it. God is doing the heavy lifting. That is the beauty of grace is that God says, I'm going to do the creation of the covering. You don't have to cover yourself. You don't have to hide yourself. Even though you rightfully disobeyed, you did something that is shameful. You did something that you are guilty of. You did something and now you're not worthy of something. That is very true. But the story does not end there. The story Uh, continues and it progresses into the revelation and to the fact that God said, I'm going to create 
I'm going to create this. I am going to create this for you. I'm going to do it for you. I'm going to cover you. I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to cause reconciliation. But God says all of the pressures of that is going to reside on me. Nobody else is going to reside on me. And I love this. Uh, even that word, it says, and the Lord God made for Adam and his wife. He made, he produced, he created, which means regardless of where you find yourself at today, God is always creating more and more grace for you. Now, he, meaning now he's not going somewhere and making it up and causing it to happen. What he what he's doing is uh, uh, the prophet David put it this way, that the mercies of God are new every morning is that God is never going to run out of grace for you. Whatever you need, God is constantly providing a new production of grace you and, and the key is learning to receive it let God graciously cover you the key is learning how do I receive that grace how do I receive it and, and that's what we're going to move into here so that's principle number one is that God does it God does the grace covering you don't cover yourself you let God do it principle number two we see here is in the next part and the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins garments of skins that is principle number two i love this because hidden in that phrase garments of skin is a foreshadowing and a typology of what god plans to do is that god took animal skin and made garments for the mankind so God needed skin. God needed skin for the covering. I want you to get that because later on, as we journey into the Gospels, we get over to the book of John and the Bible says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Uh, watch this. And then the word became flesh or the word tabernacle or the word put on skin. That's what happened. So God has always been God. But what he did in the Gospels was put on skin. <laughs> Jesus came and put on skin so that he could take that skin to the cross and use his flesh to cover you. I'm telling you, God is still giving us garments of skin. He, that's why people couldn't understand Jesus's revelation when he said, I need you to eat me. I need you to drink me. The Bible says when he began to teach that message, people began to walk away from him and people began to desert him. But my Bible tells me that we have to eat of him. It's part of why we uh, remember him in the communion. We have to eat of him, of him and we have to drink of him because he has become our garment of skin. God got in skin so that he could offer skin to cover us. I'm, I bless God for the flesh of the Savior. I bless God for the body of the Savior because he had to get in skin so that grace could cover me. So that grace could cover me. That is garments of skin. Principle number three. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. Clothed them. The, the beauty of grace is not only does God provide it, you don't have to beg him for it. You don't have to twist his arm to get it. God does it. He does it of his own volition. He does it on his own will. He does it on his own uh, inclination. He does it. Not only does Jesus' body provides us new garments of skin, but the, the, the end thing is it clothes us. It covers us. When God looks at you, he's not looking at your sin. He's looking at his grace. <laughs> you are a billboard of the grace of God. 
That's why the enemy doesn't like you. That's why all of heaven is standing in amazement at the mystery and the wonder of the church. Because when they look at us, they don't see our shame. They don't see our guilt. They don't see our condemnation. They have a knowledge of the fact of, I know they've disobeyed you and I know they've shamed you. But even though that is their knowledge, when they look at us, all they really see is a covering. They see a covering of grace. They see a covering of grace. Let's get uh, one more scripture here uh, in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10, uh, verse 11 says, under the old agreement, this is out of the living Bible, under the old agreement, the priest stood before the altar day after day, offering sacrifices that could never take away our sins. But Christ gave himself to God for our sins as one sacrifice for all time and then sat down in the place of highest honor at God's right hand, waiting for his enemies to be laid under his feet. For by that one offering he made forever perfect in the sight of God all those whom he is making holy. I love the beauty of this because we gain another insight here into this grace covering. In my last few minutes that I want to help us to see, we get insight into this grace covering that the Bible says that Jesus made us perfect. Watch this. But the caveat to that is that he's made perfect those whom he is making holy. <laughs> he's made perfect those who he is making holy. That is what grace does for you in your life. Jesus is our gracious covering. And what he does is he's made you perfect. All at the same time while making you holy. It, it deals with the fact of who you are. Your identity is going to affect your behavior. That is what Jesus is saying. Is that now your identity is one of grace. You are a grace man. You are a grace woman. You are a grace son of God. You are a grace child of God. You are an offspring of the grace of God. And because you are an offspring of the grace of God, you have been made perfect. Now what is happening in your life is that though you have been made perfect, he's now making you holy. <laughs> so it means I'm not what I'm going to be, but God has redeemed me. He has covered me. His grace is hiding uh, my shame, is hiding my failure, is hiding my faults, and hiding my shortcomings. I'm telling you, in the book of Genesis are so many revelations of Jesus, and we see it even after the fall. That even after our mistakes, even after our failures, Jesus is right there to give us new garments of skin and to clothe us in the grace of God. You don't have to beg for it. You don't have to plead for it. You just have to receive it. And how do you receive it? You receive it by faith. What does that mean? You receive it by believing that God meant what he said. When God, God said, I'm going to make all grace abound toward you. Believe that. Believe he meant what he said. Believe that he did what he said, and that grace will cover you. Join me in just a few moments as we go into the next revelation regarding Jesus Christ. Okay, welcome back as we conclude today's episode and talking about, I believe this is the sixth revelation we're entering into regarding Jesus Christ. And this revelation is going to be exciting, as all of these, because again, the more revelation we get about Jesus, the more we fall in love with him. And that is our aim and our goal. It's not to just get puffed up with revelation and knowledge, but we are receiving this re revelation, excuse me, so that we can fall more and more in love with Jesus. That's my goal. That is my goal. And I'm going to show you why that is true in this next revelation. 
All right. So the next revelation is this. Uh, staying in Genesis chapter three, we're going we read verse 21. Uh, now we're going to move over in uh, verse 23. It says, so the Lord God banished him forever from the Garden of Eden and sent him out to farm the ground on from which he had been taken. Thus, God expelled him and placed mighty angels at the east of the Garden of Eden with a flaming sword to guard the entrance to the tree of life. We learned previously that when Adam and Eve decided to disobey the instructions of God, the consequence for disobedience was death. The consequence for disobedience was separation, uh, which is the epitome of the word death. So it wasn't about the extermination of their existence. It meant that a separation was going to happen. So then we gain insight into, into the fact that all of the instructions of God are about, connect, are about connecting you, excuse me, are about connecting you to everything you're supposed to be connected to. You know, following God's instructions and being obedient is not about him trying to keep you away from something. It's not about him trying to prohibit you from fun. It's not about him trying to keep you out of something. But what he is really doing is trying to keep you connected. Do you see the lies and the tactics of the enemy that he makes us think that obeying God is going to cause us to miss out on something when really obeying God is going to cause us to connect to something? <laughs> And it's going to cause us to stay connected to that thing. But disobedience happened and then death happened, which is separation, disconnection, disunity, disharmony from the thing that God has called you to be connected to. After that, uh, they are God removes them out of the garden because the Garden of Eden was not the earth. I know that is a simple but yet profound revelation is that the Garden of Eden was not the earth. The Garden of Eden was Adam and Eve's assignment. That was their place of, of rest and their place of assignment to start. It was almost the, like their training ground. They were supposed to learn and become accustomed to the garden so that they could reproduce it in the earth. Uh, and, and the Bible tells us that where God planted it, God planted this garden in the east. And so after all of this, they get it spelled out of the garden. And they are removed out of their, their place so their, that separation happens. This is death. This is death happening in Genesis chapter 3. Death is happening. And a greater thing, not only are they separated from the place of their purpose, <laughs> but they're separated from the power source of their purpose. Because you cannot fulfill the fullness of your purpose without Jesus. We forget that the whole epitome of our purpose is that we glorify and we manifest and that we are an extension of the Godhead. So you can be doing the right thing and still not be in purpose. There are plenty of people that don't serve the Lord Jesus Christ, and yet they are doing the right thing. They're, they're, they're in the right uh, vocation. They're in the right field. They're touching the right people, but they're still not in purpose because you cannot be in purpose without Jesus. So you may be doing the right thing, but without Jesus, you're still void of purpose. So what happens is they, they get separated from their place and they get separated from Jesus, who is the tree of life. Jesus is our tree of life. We see it in Genesis. We see it in the book of Proverbs. Look at the various times that the that the term tree of life comes up and, and it's associated with wisdom. And we later found out in Corinthians that Jesus is the wisdom of God. And we later found out the tree of life shows up in the book of Revelation. That tree of life is there. The tree of life is Jesus. How do I know that? Let's go over to the book of John. The book of John.
the book of John chapter 17 says, when Jesus had finished saying all these things, he looked up to heaven and said, Father, the time has come. Reveal the glory of your son so that he can give the glory back to you. I love that. Reveal the glory, of, reveal glory so I can give it back to you. I love it. Verse two, for you have given him authority over every man and woman in all the earth. He gives eternal life to each one you have given him. And this is the way to have eternal life by knowing you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. Profound things are revealed and disclosed and transmitted in these few verses. And I want to kind of hone in on two of them to exemplify the fact that Jesus is our tree of life. Number one, we learn that Jesus is the tree of life because he says, I am going to be the one to give them. I'm going to give them this life. Everybody that you've given me, I'm going to give them their life. When they receive of me, they're going to get life. I love this because what we find is that the first mankind fails the entire obedience test in the garden. We get over into the New Testament and we find out and in, in John as well, I, I'll let you do your homework and try to uh, find that out. But in the Gospel of John as well, it tells us that Jesus died in a garden. Calvary was in a garden. <laughs> it was in a garden. He dies in a garden. He dies. So where, where the first mankind died and it caused separation, the new mankind dies and it opens up to us a world of harmony. It opens up to us again the way to the tree of life, that if we would take of him, that we would have a life and have it more abundantly. Jesus kept telling them, I've come that you can have this. I am, I am the resurrection. I am the life. He's been announcing this over and over again. Eat of me. I'm trying to get life to you. Eat of me. I'm trying to impart life into you. And, and what we learn of Jesus is that one of the core ministries of his life is giving away life. We later find out also in the third verse, Jesus goes into detail about what life is. Eternal life is not just living forever. <laughs> Eternal life is the opposite of what death did. Remember, death separated. It caused a separation to take place. So the opposite of that is life and eternal life, which is a unity, a harmony, a coming together, a connection. Jesus says this is eternal life, that you will no longer be separated from God or his Christ, but that you would have a unity and that you would have a harmony and that you would have a fellowship and you would have a, 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 a cooperation and a camaraderie between you and the Godhead. That is life. Life, eternal life, is the thing that Adam and Eve got separated from in the garden. If you will eat of me, if you will drink of me, if you will partake of me, I'm going to give you life. And what is life? I'm going to give you the harmony with God your heart is longing for. That is life. And again, how do we receive this? We receive it all by faith. We receive it by believing that God really meant what he said. God really means for me to be in harmony with him. God really means for me to be in, in, in partnership with him, in fellowship with him, in unity with him. I am in harmony with the Godhead. You ought to start confessing that over your life. God, I receive 
of you. I eat of you. I drink of you. And because of that, I am in harmony with the Godhead. Everything I need, they are providing. And everything that he needs out of me, I am providing. That is the beauty of this partnership. I comply with my obedience. He complies with his provision. I comply with my surrender and he complies with his spiritual equipment in my life. Jesus is the tree of life. He's just waiting on me to eat and drink of him. That is a beautiful revelation that we see of Jesus in the Old Testament. I hope you are enjoying these insights and, and revelations and teachings, and I hope you are sharing this and share this podcast with everybody you know so that we can all fall more in love with Jesus Christ. Be sure you're following me on Instagram, on Facebook, and you're a part of my group on Facebook, The Bible in One Year. We are going through the Gospels this year, a little by little, and through the Psalms. And every week, every Sunday at 3 p.m. Central Standard Time, I'm checking in with the group, giving them updates teachings and insights into what we're reading. So be sure to be a part of that. And I'll see all of you same place, same time next week. God bless.